Welcome to the Growing with Nature podcast. I'm your host, Darren Williams, permaculture enthusiast, restoration ecologist, and founder of Growing with Nature. Too often, we hear that the best thing we can do for nature is to leave it alone. But people are a part of nature, and you can make the living world around you come alive with abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, even in your own backyard. Join me on a journey through regenerative soil building, permaculture, restoration ecology, and more. To learn concrete steps you can take at home to support wildlife, grow incredible, delicious food, and help heal our living world right in your own backyard. Ready to get started? Grab a shovel, roll up your sleeves, and let's make the living world around you come alive. In this episode, we're going to explore three lessons learned from the impacts of the 2021 drought here in the Pacific Northwest. Due to climate change, this drought has really been bad, but future years are likely to have even worse heat waves and droughts as the world continues to warm. But there are lessons you can take from the 2021 drought to better prepare for droughts in the future. Let's dive into them. In June of 2021, the Pacific Northwest was hit by an extreme heat wave, one so extreme that without climate change, it would have been virtually impossible. It really just wouldn't have happened. But even with climate change, this heat wave was so extreme that it was off the charts and should really have only happened once, potentially every thousand years. In some ways, you know, that kind of sounds like good news since we shouldn't have to deal with it again. Unfortunately, climate change is getting worse, and if the world warms to 2 degrees Celsius, the heat wave we lived through could happen once or even twice every decade. You know, that's just insane. But even without that heat wave, this summer has just been hot and dry. And while the drought is bad here in western Washington, the impacts in Oregon and California and other parts of the western United States is even worse. You know, I found that as an adult, I've started to hate the end of summer. The months of August and even September just seem to drag on to me. It's not the idea of the chill of fall that makes me hate this time of year. I hate how dry the land becomes. You can see it in the leaves of the trees and the brown fields of grass. You can see it in the soil that crumbles to dust or becomes as hard as concrete. The living world is struggling. Every day I hope the rains will return, but unfortunately, if past years are any indication, the rains won't come back in any significant amount until mid to late October. Western Washington may be known for being wet, but summers here these days are just bone dry. Historically, we could expect around an inch of rain in August, but in more recent years, we're we're lucky to get even a tenth of an inch. Dry, hot summers and extreme heat waves are just the new normal. But there are lessons you can learn from these observations, and you can make the living world around you more abundant, even in the face of a warming world. The 2021 drought has been tough, but let's look at three lessons you can learn from it. And if you like what you hear today, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us. People like you, who want to bring these skills home to enjoy wildlife, grow more food, and help heal our living world. Okay, let's get started. I was excited at the start of summer. One of our raspberry patches that had always struggled was finally looking great. The canes were covered in ripening berries, and I enjoyed snacking on a few of them that had ripened early. But then the heat wave came, and the berries literally cooked on the canes. The same thing happened to our strawberries. 
Berries that were looking great just a day or so before turned to mush in the heat. Despite the ground still being moist under the mulch that was surrounding the plants, the heat was so intense that the harvests were just lost. Our plants survived the extreme heat because we had mulched the soil and kept it cool. But that didn't protect the berries and fruit from the intense sun beating down on them. We lost whole harvests in just a couple of days. But then I noticed something. Some of our other patches of strawberries and raspberries did fine, and ended up producing large abundant harvests despite the heat wave and the 2021 drought. Why did some do fine when others were cooked on the vine? It turned out that the berries that weathered the impacts fine were growing in what you might view as less than ideal conditions. They were all in partial shade, growing around and under shrubs or along the edges of our hedgerows. The berries that cooked, by contrast, were out in the open in full sun with no shade. Normally, those would be the ones that you would expect to produce better harvests. And in cooler, more historically, quote-unquote, normal years, they would have. But in our warming world, with extreme heat waves and droughts, getting more sunlight isn't always a good thing. The 2021 drought and past droughts have really taught me the importance of shade, even for food crops, especially the importance of late afternoon shade. Once your vegetables, fruits, and other crops get 68 hours of sun, they've gotten all they need to produce abundant harvests. You can greatly reduce the impact of extreme heat by planting larger trees and shrubs so they shade your food plants in the late afternoon. The strawberries and raspberries that I had planted in semi-shade were spared the worst of the heat. They weren't cooked, and we got abundant harvests from them. Now I'm planting more trees and shrubs on the western side of my food plants to provide that late afternoon shade. It turns out that shade might just be one of your best tools to grow food in a warming world. And if you're wondering what plants to do this with, what plants to plant for shade, I would recommend planting drought-tolerant native trees and shrubs. The raspberries that weren't cooked were protected by a hedgerow filled with native trees and shrubs. And the strawberries that survived were shaded by some of our large native lupins. The strawberries were also partially shaded by several log piles that I'd put down for habitat to support, you know, wildlife, uh, to help support garter snakes and other beneficial critters. And, you know, I know this isn't the normal advice for growing food. Most of the time, we're told more sun equals better harvests. But in a warming world where extreme heat waves are the norm, it might just be time to focus on more shade, not less. While the heat wave cooked our exposed berries and fruits, the long 2021 drought has pushed the water-holding ability of our soils to their limit. Our soils are mostly silt and clay, with very little organic material. The soils turn a light gray when they dry out, the same color of concrete. I've done a lot to improve the soil by focusing on mulch and supporting soil life, and every year our plants do better and our land becomes more abundant. But the 2021 drought and heat wave has shown me that I need to speed up this process. The more organic material in the soil, the more water it can hold. And you know, organic material is just all the dead leaves and stems and plants and other and animals and things that are in the soil. It's what gives it that dark, kind of crumbly, good feel, that nice smell of, of a forest floor, for example. But you know, thinking about organic material. Every 1% increase in organic material in your soil 
results in as much as 25,000 gallons of more water per acre available for your plants. I mean, that's just a massive amount. And what this means is that for every 1% increase in organic matter, you get an extra 0.6 gallons of water per square foot in your garden. You know, it's kind of hard to picture these numbers, but basically that is roughly the same amount of water that your plants need each week. So if you increase your organic matter percent, say, to 8%, your soils can hold roughly two months worth of water. You know, that high content of organic matter can be a challenge to reach. But even 4% would store a month's worth of water. I mean, that's why the soil can just hold so much water if it's healthy and thriving. And if you keep the soil mulched and provide late afternoon shade, you can make the water last even longer by reducing how much water your plants need to thrive. You know, the less stress your plants are from heat, the less water they will pull from the soil. And so the water will just last that much longer. But building soil and increasing the amount of organic material in it takes time. Generally, I like to be patient, but this recent heat wave and drought has made me decide it's time to double down on soil building. You know, I'm going to do this using two main methods. The first is going to be to plant more perennials plants. And the second is going to temporarily, just over the next year or two, to use blood mill to speed up the breakdown of mulch. You know, perennial plants help build soil by helping to feed and support soil life. By having living roots in the ground all year, these plants build soil faster than annuals can. Now, I'm currently looking at planting a bunch of hardy native perennial flowers around my other plants. These native flowers will not only support soil life, they will also shade the ground and support beneficial insects and other wildlife, which will also help with pest issues. And that also reduces the amount of stress that the other plants face, which again will make them more resilient to droughts because they just won't need as much water. You know, stressed out plants need more water. The less stress they have, the better. But I also need all that mulch I've put down around my plants to break down faster. You know, I've added a lot of wood chips and fall leaves and other kind of organic material around my plants to keep the soil covered with mulch and to help build that soil. You know, because as the wood chips and other material break down, they add organic material to the soil. You know, this process is a great way to build soil and increase how much water your soil can hold. But it takes time for wood chips to break down. They're tough. They don't break down fast. But you can speed up this process uh, by adding more nitrogen to the soil. Just like with a compost pile, you know, wood chips are high in carbon, so they, it takes nitrogen to help them break down. So if you can add some more nitrogen, the wood chips are going to break down faster. You know, nitrogen-fixing plants like lupins can do this, but you can also add nitrogen to the soil using blood meal. Normally, I don't like to do this. I don't like relying on outside inputs such as fertilizer. I would much rather focus on building the conditions that support soil life and rely on that life to build abundance. But I also have to recognize that I'm starting with very poor soil. The soil here was degraded by past owners to the point that there is almost no topsoil left. Our soil maybe had 1% organic material when we moved here. I've improved it a lot, but starting with such poor conditions means that it isn't as resilient to droughts as I would like. So I'm planning on using blood mill to add nitrogen to the system in order to speed up the breakdown of the wood chips and the other mulch. 
This could quickly increase the organic material in the soil by a couple of percent. If the soil went from 1% organic material up to, say, 3%, that would greatly increase how much water the soil can hold. And it would provide a much better foundation for future soil building without the need for inputs like blood mill. You know, I don't want to become reliant on these. I want to build the foundation that allows my system to thrive without the need of these inputs. You know, climate extremes are here now, though. And one lesson I've learned is that with the right investments now, currently, you can jumpstart the process that will build resilience in the future. And building healthy soil is one of the best investments for resilience you can make. Building soil and creating late afternoon shade will all help you deal with drought. But I've also learned that sometimes you just need to move the garden, or at least part of it. You know, our property has a goalie that runs through the middle of it. In the fall, winter, and spring, this goalie has a seasonal stream that flows through it. And this goalie also collects cold, moist air from the surrounding land. In the evening, if you walk down to this low area, you can feel the cool air even in the middle of summer. It really does almost feel like walking into an air-conditioned room. Because of this, frosts often come a good two weeks early in the bottom of this goalie. You know, given how much cooler and wet, wetter this area is, I wasn't planning on growing traditional vegetables in it. Instead, I was focusing on creating wetlands, planting native plants, and growing perennial vegetables like cattails that like wet areas like this. But given the impacts of the 2021 drought and heat wave, I'm now thinking about creating some garden beds in this area for climbing beans and other traditional vegetables. You know, these will be right alongside the native wetland plants. My current thought is to create some mounded beds that would stay above the water level in the winter where I could plant traditional vegetables. You know, I would plant them after the waters kind of receded enough that there was no risk of these beds becoming flooded. You know, these beds would stay cooler and the soil would stay moist much longer into the summer. Even now at the end of summer, the soil at the bottom of this gully is still moist below the surface. All of our garden beds are currently up in the uplands where our house is. This area is also much hotter and drier than the lowlands around the gully. While this works great for tomatoes, peppers, corn, and other warm-loving plants you know, up around our house, it doesn't work well for plants like lettuce. You know, We can get an early start with them, but the summer heat really stresses these plants out and they tend to bolt earlier. You know, having a cool, wetter garden may actually work better for many of our vegetables. So a lesson I've learned from the 2021 drought and heat wave is to rethink where I should be growing food. And, you know, if you've got a cool, wet area where you live, you might want to look at it again, too. In a warming world, those areas might just be great spots for growing food. Climate change is impacting all of us. From floods to droughts and heat waves, we can't ignore the impacts anymore. And while solving the climate crisis will take national and global action, there are things you can do locally. Because even in the best case, our world will be warmer than it is today. Only reducing and eventually eliminating the use of fossil fuels will solve the climate crisis. But you also need to adapt to the impacts that are here today and locked into the future. That's what this episode is all about how to adapt to a future of heat waves and droughts. Creating more shade, building soil, and taking advantage of cool, moist microclimates are all great ways to adapt to the impacts of climate change. But there is more you can do. 
Another observation I made during the 2021 drought was how much better our perennial vegetables did compared to our annual vegetables. Our perennial vegetables weathered the drought just fine. Their root systems are large enough that they could easily find water that our annuals couldn't. I haven't needed to give any of our perennial vegetables water, despite the heat wave and drought. I have had to water our annual vegetables, though. The more you can switch to perennial foods like perennial vegetables, the more resilient your food systems will be. I know I'm going to continue switching more of my food growing over to perennials. And beyond growing more perennials, another great way to adapt to a hotter, drier future is to hold more water on your property. Building soil is a great way to do this, but if you've got areas that flood in the winter or at least get swampy, you know, the kind of pond up, you know, those, you might want to look into those areas and see if you can keep that water around even longer. How to, you know, retain more of it on your land, give it time to soak in. Often people try to drain water off their land, but in a warming world, water is becoming scarcer. You know, we, it's becoming drier, hotter. We really need water. You, you can see what's going on in the western United States with the reservoirs getting lower and lower. You know, we got to hold on to the water we have. If you can see what you can do to retain water instead of draining it off your land, you're, you're going to make your land more abundant. You know, currently I'm expanding one of my ponds to hold more water. This pond fills up in the winter, and when we moved here, it was just a flashy eroding channel. Today, it's a wetland filled with abundance, and the work I'm doing now will double or triple how much water it can hold. The result will be even more abundance for people, plants, and wildlife. You know, these type of work, they, it takes effort, but it's an investment in the future. You know, I'm spending a lot of time just with a shovel and a pickaxe digging away. It's a lot of work, definitely wears me out. But I know that investing in it now will result in just so much more abundance, you know, the rest of my life. Like this land will always be more abundant because of the work I'm doing this summer. You know, climate change is impacting us all. And we're all going to have to adapt to the new normal of extremes. It won't be easy, but we can do it together. And stay tuned for our next episode where we will look at fall leaves and how to use them to cultivate abundance. With fall around the corner, it's time to start thinking about fall leaves and their role in supporting the living world. And just want to add fall leaves, dealing with climate change, you know, fall leaves are a great way to help build soil, which will help you deal with climate change, which help you deal with droughts. You know, everything goes in a cycle. What you do this fall can help you deal with droughts next summer. So hope you'll tune in to the episode next week. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And thank you for listening to the Growing With Nature podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons over on Patreon.com. Thank you, patrons, for supporting our work. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us, people like you, who want to bring these skills home to support wildlife, grow food, and help heal our living world. Well, that's all for now. See you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, and keep on growing.